Amen. As you're seated, take those Bibles. You know we are in the book of Romans. We've been there about 13 months. And we'll continue on. We are in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So before we begin this morning, I just wanted to take a moment to address something very specifically with you this morning. And that is the realization and the confession that this next section that we're about to enter into can be difficult to understand, perhaps even hard to embrace. We have to be honest with each other. When it comes to studying the Scriptures, we must recognize that we bring biases that affect our understanding and interpretation of God's Word. Those biases can be different for each and every one of us. Our backgrounds, the type of church that we, we, we grew up in, even if we didn't grow up in a church. We have certain biases that we have. We've got to understand what those biases are. So we have to recognize our bias. Uh, we have to be willing to set aside that bias. And then we need to read and study the Scriptures, allowing the Scriptures to explain and clarify itself. And so before we even get into our text this morning, I just want to, uh, just a moment of confession among us, if you will. Think about this. When you begin to hear words like foreknowledge, chosen, predestination, election, like we hear those words, just admit, are you confused, frustrated, or kind of shut down in moments when you hear things like that. If you're either of those, just kind of raise your hand. Some of you are actually honest enough to answer me. Thank you. Thank you. And so we're going to be looking at verses 29 and 30. But before we even get there, I just want to uh, understand and hopefully kind of set us at a base level of agreement Therefore, let me just read to you uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So what do we know? We know that by grace we receive faith. By grace we receive faith that enables us to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised them from the dead. If that's our base level understanding, then since salvation has nothing to do with our own works or our own efforts, since salvation is purely by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, then why... Does God save any of us? Since salvation is not based upon my work, nor is it based upon my activity, then, 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 then what is its purpose? We're going to discover the answer to that question in our text this morning. Romans 8.29 says, Because those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We're going to be spending the next few weeks looking at these two verses. This week, we're going to discover the purpose of salvation. And beginning next week, we'll begin to address the order of salvation. So this morning, we're going to be looking at a, a relatively small portion of verse number 29. And this portion, in fact, is often overlooked or neglected It is overlooked by those that believe that salvation rests purely upon the free will of mankind. It is overlooked by those that believe that salvation rests solely upon uh, God's sovereignty. It is overlooked by those that try to harmonize God's sovereignty with the free will of man. So in our text this morning, we're going to discover a biblical answer to one of the greatest mysteries that puzzle us. The only reason why God saves any of us is for His Son, Jesus Christ. Look at the text one more time. Because those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers. So from from the time of the early church, Christians have always debated the possibility that one might be able to lose their salvation. I, I want to be as clear as I possibly can be. It is my strong, deeply held belief that Scripture is clear on the fact that every person who is genuinely saved is eternally saved. We can never be in danger of losing the spiritual life that has been given to us as a gift from God by His grace. In fact, these two verses perhaps present the clearest presentation of that truth in these verses like i said we'll see the purpose of salvation and the order of salvation and so today we begin with the purpose because those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so from before time began god chose to save sinners from their sins in order that they might be conformed to the image of his son to be conformed means to to take on the same form to possess the same likeness and so what are we being conformed to well, we're being conformed to the image of his son And so that word image means a derived or given likeness. So the image of Jesus is not something that believers can earn, nor is it something that they can work for. No, it's not an image that we can produce on our own efforts. No, the image of Jesus, His perfect, His perfection, and His life is a gift of God. So make no mistake, 
God will completely, completely save every sinner who is converted by Jesus Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit and the proclamation of the Gospel of Christ. I want you to consider everything that Paul has already said in in chapter 8 up to this point. I mean, going back to verse number 1, he's already established that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In verse number 9, he actually tells us that the Holy Spirit indwells every child of God. In verses 14 and 16, we'll see that every believer is a child of God adopted by God. In verse 17, Verse 17, that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And then we saw in verses 26 and 27 that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes on our behalf according to the will of God. There is no failure, nor is there any partial fulfillment in the sovereign operation of God's salvific plan from being carried out in the life of His children. Every believer who is saved will one day be fully and finally and completely glorified. Although the full truth of that reality might be far too great for our minds to even conceive, just because our minds can't fully conceive it doesn't make that any less true. The New Testament gives us glimpses of what it means to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I'll give you some examples. To be conformed to the image of God's Son means to have one's bodies transformed in conformity to His glorious body. The Scripture that we'll find that is in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 21. There Paul writes and he says, uh, for our, I'm on the wrong one. Let me fix this. I have no idea what's going on. Don't worry about it. Just listen and write these down. You got it? Thank you for helping me. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the bodies of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by His working through which He is able to even subject all things to Himself. I want you to understand that as the term denotes, glorification is ultimate conformity to Jesus Christ. Glorification is God clothing His children with the glory of His Son. And John assures us in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, he says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been manifested as yet what we will be. We know that when He is manifested, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. In the meanwhile, as long as we remain on earth, 
as long as we remain this side of heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. So to be conformed to the image of God's Son means that we have our, our, our bodies will be transformed into conformity of His glorious body. To be conformed to the image of Jesus also means that we become partakers of His divine nature. We're partakers of the divine nature of Christ. Second Peter chapter 1 says it like this. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the full knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the full knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. And then it says in verse number 3, For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promise, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So to be conformed means that we are partakers of the divine nature of Jesus. To be conformed into the image of God's Son also means that we will be like Christ spiritually. Our incorruptible bodies will be infused with the very holiness of Jesus. That's what glorification entails. We will be outwardly and inwardly perfect just as the Son is perfect. The writer of Hebrews gives insight into this gracious plan of God. The gracious plan that includes redeeming those who believe in His Son and conforming them into the image of His Son. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, the writer says, But we, we do see Him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. Verse 11 says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brothers. You understand that the purpose of salvation is so that God's children can be conformed into the image of his own son. Not only that, we also see the purpose of salvation is so that Christ could be the firstborn among many brothers. Six times in the Scriptures, we'll see Jesus identified as being the firstborn. Six times. One of them is in the verse that we just read, Romans 8, verse 29. The other one comes from Colossians chapter 1, 
verse number 15. There it says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation? So there Jesus is identified as being the firstborn of all creation. I'll come back and give a little bit of explanation to that in just a moment. So Colossians 1.15, he's the firstborn of all creation. Then again in Colossians 1, this time in verse number 18, it says that he is the head of the body, the church, who was the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. So Jesus in Colossians chapter 1, identified as the firstborn of creation, and the firstborn of the dead. Then uh, this term is used twice in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 6, says that when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. Worship who? The firstborn of the world. Who's the firstborn of the world? Jesus. Jesus. The second place is found in Hebrews chapter 12. Verse number 23, there it says to the festal gatherings and assembling of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. So the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirit of the righteous made perfect. You'll find that term referring to Jesus one other place. And this one comes from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. Verse number 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, again, the firstborn of the dead, and the rulers of the kings of the earth. I want you to understand that collectively, all six of these references are declaring the the pre-existence of Christ, the sovereignty of Christ, and the redemption that Jesus has to offer In Jewish culture, the term firstborn always referred to a male unless a daughter is specifically mentioned. And so because the firstborn in the Jewish family had a privileged status, this term is often used figuratively in order to express preeminence or superiority. And that's the point that Paul's trying to make here. Talking about the preeminence and the superiority of Jesus Christ. And so, just to be clear, as a point of clarification, the term firstborn in relation to Jesus does not suggest that he was a created being. That is a false teaching. Jesus was not a created being. The Son of God has always existed for all eternity in companion with the Father and the Holy Spirit. When Scripture declares Him to be the firstborn of creation, it is referring to the pre-existence of the Savior. Jesus is not a created being. In fact, Jesus is the supreme Creator. God created the world through Jesus. The scripture tells us, Colossians 1, verse number 16, says, for in him, who's the him? Jesus. For in Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible 
and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. So as the eternal Son of God, Jesus created all things. As as the creator of all things, Jesus rules over His creation. So God created the world through Jesus. Here's the beautiful harmony. God created the world through Jesus and God redeems the world through Jesus. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7, said, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions according to the riches of His grace. May you know that God's original purpose in creation was in making people in His divine image. A people who would honor and glorify God by serving and obeying Him in and through all things. But when Adam and Eve rebelled against God's divine plan, they alienated themselves from God and they brought condemnation not just upon themselves, but upon all of humanity. It is through Jesus that God is providing a way of bringing fallen humanity back unto Himself. And so through Jesus, through Jesus, salvation is all because of Jesus. The purpose of it is so that His children would be conformed into His image so that Jesus would have superiority over all things. He did this. God did this. By placing all of our sins upon His Son. That's why it says in Isaiah chapter 53, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But Yahweh has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. Therefore, as redeemed children of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, we will forever glorify the Father. We will glorify Him with the glory that He has given unto us. You to think about that. Because then we begin to read in different places in Scripture what awaits us as His children. We don't do a lot of teaching on this, and I don't really understand why, but there will come a time where God's children will be rewarded for certain things uh, in heaven. Think about this. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 8, tells us that for His children, they will receive a crown of righteousness. You familiar with the crowns that, that will be given to the children of God? 
And so 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says that we'll receive a crown of righteousness. James chapter 1, verse number 12, there's the promise that we'll receive the crown of life. So we have a crown of righteousness. We'll receive a crown of life. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 4, says that when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let that sink in. The crown of righteousness. The crown of life. The unfading crown of glory. When I hear that, then I think about think about the when Revelation in Revelation chapter four writes about the, the four living creatures. It says that the four living creatures who day and night continuously declare, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So, 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 like the four creatures who are declaring, holy, holy, holy. Then there's a mention of the, the 24 elders. It says that there's 24 elders who fell down before Him who sits upon the throne. They, they, they fall down before Jesus. And then they, they take their crowns and they cast them at the throne of the Savior. And there they say, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Well, the only reason why any of us are saved is because of Jesus. For the glory of God. May we like those creatures, forever proclaim, holy, 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 the 24 elders. We too will will take our crowns and cast them at the feet of our Savior and say, worthy are you. Worthy are you to receive honor and glory and power for you created all things. It is because of your will that they existed and were created. It's a beautiful passage that helps us to see the purpose of our salvation. I wanted to start with the purpose first uh, because as we begin to unpack all these other terms next week, I want you to have the purpose in mind so you don't get so frustrated and turned off by what the Word of God reveals unto us. I'll admit it. It is hard to hear. It is hard to understand. But like I said before, just because it's difficult for us to fully understand, grasp, or appreciate, doesn't make it any less true. There are some times where we simply believe because the Word of God tells us. I don't have to understand all things. I can believe and I can accept because God's Word has declared it to be true. With that in consideration, I'm just wondering, can I get an amen for the gift of salvation this morning? Man, think about that. What about for the, for the promise of eternal life? 
What about no longer being at enmity with God? But in and through Jesus Christ, we can experience peace with God. Do you have peace today? I didn't ask you, are you absent from trouble or hardships? But do you experience peace? Peace with God. The only way that you can have peace is by having Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's no hope for peace apart from Christ. It won't happen. But may we begin to truly understand the purpose of salvation. May we embrace that as God's children. May we be encouraged that salvation has everything to do with the grace of God. It is a gift of God. And what God begins, He will finish. And He won't lose anyone in the process. Heavenly Father, I pray that this room would be filled with Your children walking in submission and obedience to Your Word and to Your will. And Father, even I recognize and understand that not everyone that is here watching or listening, is a child of yours. Father, my prayer is that your spirit would move in their lives and that your grace would be extended unto them that they might confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that you raised your son from the dead. For all of the children that belong unto you, Pray that your spirit would do a work in our lives, revealing the things that are that are being done that displease you. The things that you have called us to do that we're not doing. Father, I pray that we would repent. Pray that each time that we gather, that we would long to leave here differently than the way that we came. As we have an opportunity to repent and respond to your word, pray that we're not worried about or focused about what might be happening around us, that we would be focused on what needs to happen within us so that we can leave here in a right relationship with you. But there are some that need to submit themselves into the Savior, There are some that need to repent, confess their sins, seek forgiveness, and make a commitment to go another way. There are decisions that need to be made, forgiveness that needs to be given, forgiveness that needs to be sought for. There are all kinds of decisions that ought to be made in moments like this for your glory. May your spirit make known unto us right way to respond. Help us, Father. In Christ's name I pray.